What's going on, everyone? It is another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your boy, Jevin LaFave. Today, I brought on Brett Roselle once again. We talked a lot, some NHL action, some unfortunate um, headlines that made way into the hockey world. We talked about that. We talked about some Canucks news, some splashes that they made. And then we talked about the divisional round in the NFL. Crazy, crazy, crazy weekend. It was a ton of fun. Um, be sure to head to the YouTube left side heavy catch the full episode there on video and uh, be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify really helps grow the show and get it out there. Be sure to share with friends and family and follow the um, socials. Um, Jevin Dollar on Instagram, Jevin LaFave on Twitter, left side heavy underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. It was very fun. And here is Brett Roselle. It's episode 79 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave. And to, on this episode, I'm welcoming back Brett Roselle of the BCIT radio program, fellow classmate of mine. Welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be back and uh, got a great lineup to uh, chat some sports today. So I'm happy to be back on the pod, man. Thanks for having me. It is going to be a full episode, first of all. And man, what a what a weekend this Whew. was. It, holy shit. It's, yeah. It was a good one. Imagine someone like who hadn't watched the NFL before and you just like the first game they watched and it was like, hey, this Bill's uh, Chiefs game is expected to be a good one just watch this uh, for a first time and like imagine that's the ending they see and it's just their expectations from now on pretty sparkling product i think the yeah the nfl has to be just over the moon with the product they put out on on the field this yeah. weekend like four walk-offs um lots of like iconic franchises playing some new faces yeah. It was like everything that the uh, NFL wanted and more with like finishing it with that chiefs bills game. I mean, that's going to be remembered for a long time with those two quarterbacks, just like pushing each other to be like even yeah. better on the next drive. That was really cool to see. Yeah. You even talk about um, like the product that they put out, but what they must be so excited for the future, like the ratings that they're going to be getting, especially come playoff time, because there's a, very good chance that you see those quarterbacks over and over again battling for the Super Bowl. And it's just got to be exciting. Like Roger Goodell, man, that guy is excited for the Absolutely. ratings that are going to be brought in as long as he's commissioner. Man, the league's in good hands. Only thing better would be if they shifted the Bills to the NFC and they could play in the Super Bowl. Other oh, that, I know. It's, <laughs> it's I like know. the best. Um, yeah, just the compete levels with those two teams. Um, yeah, pretty pretty incredible to see. Yeah, so uh, we'll get into the NFL later because we'll uh, end off with that. But we do. I do want to talk about some NHL stuff because it has been a few episodes since we have done that. But... Yeah, we're just going to touch on some quick hitters, some big news that's come out. And uh, what have you thought about the NHL over the past few days or the past Busy. few weeks? Yeah, lots of stuff to keep track of and keep up with. Um, of course, COVID continues to 
wreak some havoc, um, especially with fantasy and my uh, lineups and how my seasons have <laughs> turned around for the worse. But yeah. uh, lots of cool storylines to follow right now uh, in the NHL as things start to heat up, right? Like we're approaching lots of trade rumors and lots of teams trying to figure out like where they are at um, at this kind of critical point of the season. So lots to follow. Yeah, so there's a few uh there's a nhl um headline that came out just like with the canucks and stuff and every team has been hit with covid but the canucks recently they went through the ringer <laughs> with goaltending you know uh halak was trapped in the states because he he was in protocol and then demko was in protocol and then um Spencer Martin comes up and he's in protocol. And then our other goalie, that's the third string goalie. He so, gets in protocol. Silos or something. Yeah. Silos. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And then Mikey DiPietro is forced to get thrown in. It's just, man. It is timing. a circus. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's just, it's a, a comedy at this point. I mean, it's, it's so shocking that they're down to the UBC recruitment. Yeah. Um, like it just to think <laughs> just to think about that tendy like what was his name again um i can't remember his name but 25 years old at ubc getting the call I just know. because i mean it's just it's unfathomable i mean every, every now and then there's a story like this in the nhl where like a goalie is thrust into the starting gig um yeah. it's like a really cool story if it's if he does well and succeeds but this has just been at again at a critical point of the season and you're down to looking at local university level goaltenders is is just crazy it's something you definitely don't want to rely on or like hope <laughs> you get to that point but yeah, the storylines that come out of those games is usually pretty unbelievable totally like like this kid is just like doing accounting homework and then he gets a phone call it's like hey this is jim rutherford uh, do you mind like suiting up tonight as like a backup <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> oh it's just such a cool story right? i know and um something that he'll remember like regardless that's like a life yeah. like yeah i was called up to play for the canucks <laughs> when i was attending ubc i mean that's just a really cool story and um we'll see what happens but here's hoping they can get healthy in net um asap yeah. because i mean this is just it's hurting playoff it's got a lot of implication implications right the depth of the position right now is a major problem so yeah it's it's not even like because our depth is not bad it's just like we had four goalies in totally i guess depth and... in lieu of the covid context yeah like it's not even an organizational depth problem it's just like a circumstantial and what are you timing gonna... <laughs> and timing problem it's not like everyone was going to get it's just that everyone got it at the exact same time so then we were just like scrambling and you can see it in the nfl when it hits like a quarterback room or something and all of a sudden someone else is starting that has next to no experience and it's just crazy to see it i don't think you know the nfl locker rooms i feel like we have a little more like the wide receiver room the quarterback room it's just crazy it's just just the tendies <laughs> it just it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's quite unbelievable. But sticking within the Canucks organization, Bruce Boudreau hits a, a thousand games coach. That's a yeah, huge milestone. Huge milestone. He did he's bounced around a few teams, Anaheim, Washington, Minnesota, and now here in Vancouver. And you see the guys that he's coached. It's 
Ovechkin, Backstrom, Corey yep. Perry, Getzlaff. Pretty sure he was there when, like, in the final years of Solani. Mm-hmm. Man, this guy is coached absolute legends, and no wonder that he's sparked such a remarkable like resurgence from the Canucks this season because he has the experience of like coaching up some of the best players in the world, and he's kind of using that to his advantage on the young core of this Canucks group. But man, a thousand games coach, that's quite it's impressive. And yeah. I think like anytime you see a coach hit that threshold, it to me it just says that he's like adapted with the game. Cause if you exactly coach that long, like Bruce has seen the hockey like so much change has happened, right? And how the teams are constructed, how like the on ice product. So to me it's just like he's adaptive and he's a savvy coach. And I mean look at some of the names next to him on the list. Patty Burns, Brian Sutter, Roger Nielsen. I mean, it's iconic company. So huge accomplishment for him. Here's hoping he gets it done in the playoffs to just kind of like further cement what has been a really solid coaching career. Exactly. No, I totally agree with you. If he can coach his Canucks team to the playoffs, that would be a wonderful feat. And even if he doesn't, then he's just putting his name back into the mix to be a coach for someone else. Down yeah road. he's a modern coach right he's yeah. been around but he's he's like adept at the modern game so yeah very cool accomplishment and we'll see what happens he's going to be around for like he's going to yeah. keep climbing this list right yeah. like i mean he's clearly relevant still um so he's going to be around a little bit longer he'll finish who knows where he'll finish yeah I mean, it'll be tough to project but uh elite company yeah exactly have you seen the mic'd up videos amongst the canucks practices and stuff when boudreaux has been mic'd up I haven't truthfully no. Some of the his like his style of coaching, you can see why players like Besser and Patterson and the confidence in even Quinn Hughes and other players, you can see why they're starting to get a little pep in their step. Because one that really stood out to me was he they're just doing line rushes or something, or like blue line back, red line back, far blue line back, goal line, yeah. like that kind of thing. And Pedersen was like head down, like tired. And he went up to Pedersen and said, you see how good you played last game. It's because you're the hardest working player in practice. And there's a reason as to why you're such a skilled player like you are. And he's just talking him up. Yeah. And, and you can almost see like Pedersen's body language. Like he just gets up and like the confidence in him is just like there. Like you can yeah. tell that it's back and that's what good coaches do. That's why he's been able to coach a thousand games for even yeah. different organizations is because he has, he, he just has that trait to talk players up out of slumps and just like get to the players and get personal with them so that their confidence comes back. Cause that's the one thing that like as a player getting any sort of confidence from your coach helps you so much and helps your play on the ice. Totally. You can totally tell it's getting to the players on the Canucks. Absolutely, man. I think you hit on like a lot of good points there. I agree. And that's that players coach mentality, right? Like that old stoic, hard ass coach, like more of that, like military driven kind of coaching style just doesn't fly anymore. And like, it's wild to see even um, Sutter, uh, have the same kind of experience with the flames. Yeah. I, mean, I did not think he was going to be capable of keeping up with all the changes. And here he is, 
you know, same with Bruce. It's just really impressive. Um, just guys that love hockey, high hockey IQ. So good on him. No, I uh, totally agree. I hope he uh, can stay within this team. I think it'll help us a lot because I think he's just grown a relationship with everyone so well. But staying within the organization, uh, Canucks made a big splash. They Jim Rutherford hired, I believe, first of what he says, many assistant general managers. I may pronounce his name wrong, but Emily Kassengai? Kassengai? Yes. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a tongue twister for sure, but forgive my pronunciation if it is wrong, but making her the first female assistant general manager in franchise history and the second in NHL history. Um, I think this is a great hire. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's a fantastic hire from everything that I've read and um, pretty cool stories too. And just like how she got here to Vancouver um, with the passing of her sister and how that last conversation she had with her sister said, go and be- become the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. And she had it on her vision board and it came to fruition. I mean, it's a fantastic story from just yeah. like the human element. And then um, her body of work, I think is really going to back it up. I think it's a savvy move and on a lot of different levels. And I think Rutherford's quote says like, we're looking to bring in different voices to get that, to get better. And I think that's the mentality you need to have in today's game. So I think it's a great hire. Yeah. Especially, I don't know if like you touched on it because my mic just completely like cut out and video and everything just like I couldn't hear for a few seconds, but you see a team's kind of starting to branch out into the agent's and the player agents like that role because you see Kent Hughes in Montreal, they have this knack of communicating with players. And I think that can really help with establishing a culture within the organization that you're helping run. And I think her working with Lafreniere, um, Poulin, um, and even she managed to get $12 million for Antoine Roussel from Jim Bennon. So she must be like unbelievable because (laughs) so (laughs) so I think bringing her in just can help so much. And I think it can help with like, just basically making players feel like they want to come here. I think because it's been established that she's going to help with like contract negotiations and all contract talks. And yeah, Rutherford said he wanted to bring in a diverse management system and what I enjoyed most about her presser is that she said that not her, like her being a female didn't come up once in her interview and any conversations with Jim Rutherford. He was focused on the mindset, what Mm -hmm. she had planned, how she can help run the team. Nothing had to do with her just being the token woman basically within an organization. And she said, if she felt that way, she wouldn't have accepted the job. So yeah, I, I just think, Rutherford a hit on all notes with this hire. I think she's going to be great for the organization. I think she can help a lot improving this team for the future. I agree. And I think it's a good, it's like a good story for the league. Right. Um, yeah. Cause her take on her experience and her process to get to this point has been extremely positive. Like she had nothing but good things to say about, Um, her treatment in the workplace and her path to get here. She was just very driven. She worked her ass off and she got her dream job. And it's a refreshing story to hear that, 
she wasn't held up along the way. It seems yeah. like she was encouraged in, and here she is. And I think she's going to do a great job. So it's like a really good, like PR story for the league as well. Cause obviously we're going to get around to some other issues in hockey culture. Yeah. So it's a good, I think it's just a good story. And I think she's going to back it up uh, with yeah. a job really well done. We'll see, but interesting timing as trade deadline looms and, um, I'm just curious to see what happens. She's brought in and that's her expertise. And yeah. we'll see if there's a, uh, was a greater plan in place. <laughs> no, 100%, especially with like a few expiring contracts coming up. Maybe she can help like with any sort of negotiation or like just getting certain, an understanding of trade value and totally. all that sort of stuff. But and like what no. players are looking for in their contracts, right? Just exactly. That, you know, that other yeah. side of things. So, yeah. No, I'm excited for it. A uh, quick note, Keith Yandel ties the Ironman streak. Uh, who did he tie? I The name lost Oh, me. Dougie Jarvis. Yeah, Doug Jarvis. Doug, Doug Jarvis for 964 straight games played. Just think about that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Some people don't even get to 964, and he's played that amount of games. Like, to play, to keep that streak alive, for the past like two years with COVID being a thing, it's unbelievable. Like it's, he hasn't yeah. missed a game in I so many years. Yeah, like so like, many seasons. Like that's yeah. just unfathomable. Nine hundred and sixty-four games. What What do you think is Keith Yandel as a player? Man, for to me, it's like his individual compete level has to be so high to still be making NHL lineups that long. Like your internal fire has to be so strong. Yeah. Like, and I was that cool story when he was playing for the Panthers last year and they were thinking about cut, like stopping the streak and making him a healthy scratch. And the players rallied behind him. The fans, like, no players, way. hockey community was like, no? we will burn you <laughs> yeah, to like... the ground if you scratch him. And then they <laughs> ended up playing him. Yeah. You know, like it's, in, and that's some, you know, like, it's just, he's got to be so, so driven. Like anytime you show up with that kind of consistency, it's so hard to stay healthy just in everyday life, let alone being a player. So admirable, nothing but respect for Keith Yandel. Yeah. I mean, like he's not the player he once was. That's the typical career arc for yeah. an aging defenseman. I like, I remember he was definitely fantasy relevant for quite a few years there as an offensive yeah. defenseman. And he's not what he once was, but nothing but respect for, yeah. for Keith Yandel. I mean, it's super cool that he achieved this. Yeah. I think one of the cool quotes he said is that when he was on Arizona or Phoenix at the time, and Ray Whitney came out to him and said, anytime that you get to put on a jersey that has the NHL symbol on it, it's a good day. And he said that he's kept that quote in his mind ever since that was told to him. And he's just never taken a day for granted playing in the NHL. And he's just treated every single day as the first day he's come in every routine, the same. He's just kept it as a normal day. And I think that's, what's got him here. He's just kept, totally. he's kept things simple. He's never tried to overdo it. He's just let his game do the talking. He's not going to try and win games on his own. He's just going to stick to the script. What is, as Bill Belichick says, do your job. Totally. You know, as long as everyone does their job, then, the plan should go as or the game plan should go as planned right 
And I think that's what's really catapulted his career to the Ironman streak that it is and how much freaking money that he's made and how many games under his belt. Like, every team could use a defenseman like him. Just a veteran presence. He doesn't have to be a second pair. He can just be a third-line guy, maybe on the second power play unit because he still has that sort of quarterback style in him. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, any aging defenseman is going to fall off. But Absolutely. to make it to 964 straight games in a pandemic, and the NHL, man, any injury is possible. You block a shot, you could break your ankle. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right? It's So the fact <laughs> that he practice, made it to 964 you know? is unbelievable. Yeah, and I think just, like, the variables that don't, like, aren't accounted for with someone like Keith is, like, young kids in that locker room, like, that kind of work ethic. Yeah. Being around that kind of work ethic. Like that doesn't show up anywhere, but that is so important. Right. Um, So yeah, he's valuable. And like any of those kind of guys that bring that kind of like day in, day out, like I think of guys like Mark Giordano and stuff like that, just day in, day out, just diligent professionals. Yeah. So valuable for young kids on, on any team. No, I totally agree. Uh, What else we got here? Um, Unfortunate news. um, Clark Gillies is a man that we lost recently. He was a, one of the definitions of a power forward in his day and age for the Islanders. He racked up about 700 points in just over 900 games. And for a power forward, that's like not easy to do because no. when he played, basically it was like, all you're going to do is just fight the toughest guy and then <laughs> yeah. basically defend our best player. But he was able to produce at a high level. And unfortunately we lost him to, cancer at the age of 67 but what, what are some of your uh thoughts on uh clark gillies just as a player and like kind of the impact he made it was super cool that you had him on the list here because you know clark gillies i know that name and i went to youtube and i actually searched up some old footage of of clark and some of the fights that he had oh my god um he threw like, I, really, I needed to refresh my memory on on who Clark Gillies was as a hockey player, but after watching some of his tape, I mean, some of his fights, I mean, those kinds of tough guys just aren't around anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, and he could score like you alluded to, and he was like a adept player in other facets of the game, but he could, there was that one fight where he's laughing at uh, the guy in his face after whooping him. And it's just the kind of dominance that the Islanders needed around that time right yeah. the flyers were so physical and and uh just some of those fights i mean that just that culture has changed so much i still like have a soft spot as a fan i just like it, you can't help but get kind of fired up when you see some of those old fights oh and my god Clark was just like he was right in the thick of things watching like probert and domi and just some psychopaths throw down it's like <laughs> it's oh my god it's, like, how do they do it yeah, but no, uh, is hockey world lost an absolute legend, absolutely in, uh, Clark Ellis, and I think like deservingly so he's going to be remembered as just an absolute beauty on and off the ice and Islanders legend. I mean, he was a he, Hall of yeah. Famer, two thousand two. He got his number retired in like ninety six, I believe, at Nassau. Like he's well respected around the league, and just very unfortunate that. Yeah, to still very young, right? Yeah, Yeah. still very young, and and certainly within like Islanders fandom, fan lore, 
um, even more so he will be a name that will just be forever revered. Um, so yeah. yeah, sad, sad news for the hockey world for sure. Yeah. Just like a lot of people, when you think of power for is like, that's the style you want to emulate. You want to be the tough guy defending your team, but you also don't want to just be another body that's skating up and down the ice, not doing anything. Like he was Absolutely. producing for the team, helping them win while also defending the best players on the team. Hey, if you touch my goalie, I'm literally going to cave your face in. He was totally. that type of player. Yeah. Also being able to score one and one. So no, he is a, yeah, one of the hockey greats and very Every tough. Every team loss. wants someone like that, right? Exactly. Every team wants their star to feel like there's someone like that on the yeah. bench. Um, and obviously, yeah, there's been a lot of transitions in the league with that kind of role. But players still need that. Like stars still need that sense that someone's going to back them up and uh, none better than Clark Gillies. Yeah, uh, 100%. So I'm going to go from unfortunate to a different sort of unfortunate. But um, amongst the hockey community in the ECHL, there was a uh, happening of a racist gesture towards Jordan Subban, former Vancouver Canuck briefly, but uh, Jordan Jacob Panetta of the Jacksonville Icemen um, performed or, yeah, basically um, performed a racist gesture towards uh, of what looked like a monkey gorilla ape-like gesture towards Jordan Subban. And it's just very unfortunate that this is still happening after everything that's happened over the, even the past few years, but just in history, the fact that this is still just like a common thing and it shouldn't be happening. But I wanted to hear your take on the happenings over in uh, the ECHL. It's pretty sad. And, you know, just to kind of piggyback on, we were saying it was a real positive story um, with the hiring of the AGM in in Vancouver. This is just one of those stories that's just, there's nothing good about this. Yeah. Um, it's it's 2022, and I think the tweet that Suvan wrote was for someone like me, who never experienced any adversity like that growing up playing hockey. Um, just it's so sad and horrible to think that he was dealing with that like from day one, right? Right yeah. from lacing them up as a kid, dealing with that kind of stuff, and that he's still dealing with it as an adult in 2022 um yeah the frustration the cumulative frustration um i get and it pisses me off and uh and you know the response like you know he vowed to do better which and he'll have the opportunity to do that for sure but i just don't love the oh i meant something different by that gesture bodybuilder But it's yeah. like there's so many other things that you could have done that represent bodybuilder, whereas you don't do something that's very like a very uncommon gesture of a bodybuilder. Exactly. Like and I don't expect um, I don't expect him to come out and say like and commit career suicide and say that he's a racist or something. But I did anticipate him or expect him to come out and say that was a racist gesture and yeah. I understand it now and it won't happen again. Yeah. I, that's what, for someone like me who didn't deal with that, 
I want to see that response where it's yeah. not like, oh, I meant this. That, that's a, just a misdirection tactic. That's I just I'm like, I think everyone, even for someone like me, I'm sick of that. Imagine someone yeah. in his position hearing that kind of stupid apology. It's like, no, that was a racist gesture. Own up to it. You know, yeah. you could. No, because I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like you could even see if you watch the video, none of his teammates are coming in to help him. No. And if that's like, that tells the whole story. Yeah. Your teammates know you fucked up. Yeah. But like, you're trying to slide it and you're trying to push it in a different direction to have us feel like we're in the wrong. Totally. And I think that's pretty cowardly of him. I understand everyone makes mistakes. I get that. But this is just so unnecessary and just it's dirty. It's it just doesn't sit right with anyone nowadays. And yeah, I think PK Subban's tweet was perfect. I think Panetta's career, I think, is it's ruined, I think. Like, I think it's done, especially when he's just an ECHL or like he's not going to get sniff like another chance somewhere else. And yeah, it was just I love the response from Subban's teammates. Like a bunch of them came off of the bench and started yeah. wailing on him. Yeah. Subban didn't let a couple of linesmen stop him from beating his face in. <laughs> but I just wish it never happened in the first place, because yeah. now that just puts a stain on a bunch of other players in the league and he yeah. just it's it's it was disgusting what he did and it it, it had me shake my head in fury seeing yeah it. i was like i can't believe that this is still happening yeah absolutely and i mean if you're a parent who has has a kid um in hockey or anything like that um it just makes you make sure that the culture is right around your your youth in hockey right and i think there is a a motivation to change that because like we, we obviously both you and I love hockey and grew yeah. up around it and it's a, the sport offers so much good, but um, boy, there's, there needs to be just a continual effort. And it, it starts with people making mistakes, learning from them and admitting to their mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest sad you know, pockmark on this story for me is it's a shame it happened, but I just, we need better responses so that people are held accountable, you know? And, yeah. and I, again, I hope there's a path for a redemption story for this young man, but um, you know, he's got a lot of work to do. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's got a ton of work to do, especially when there's like, like words can always, like if a racial slur was given, that's obviously I'm not saying it's like any better, but I'm just saying it's a hot, it's a lot harder to, you know, trace back to like when it's it actually happens. it's like yeah. slander you know yeah. on the hot mic might pick it up but yeah. but this was clear cut in video what he did and like how it looks so bad and who it was towards and the response that was given that no one was defending him and everyone else on the other team was because he could have also said something too that we couldn't have heard totally and right. I think like Devin, obviously you've played the game and you've had moments where you're pissed off on the ice and you say something or you do something where after the game, you're like, yeah, that was probably not my best behavior or anything. But I think it says a lot about someone where they're in that moment and that's the gesture that they decide to go with. 
I mean, that yeah. to me is just really telling, you know, um, I would just never would have thought, even in my most angry moment on the ice, never would have thought to do something like yeah. that. You know? And it's just like, it still has me head scratching of like, how do you think you want to do bodybuilder, but you don't think of like the typical like bicep flex. Yeah, which way or, to the beach, you yeah, know, like, like that's something. not a bodybuilder gesture. No. That's the... Uh, no, it's, it's just a bogus response. Yeah, it's <laughs> bogus response, spot on. But I just wanted to bring light to it that, like, everyone should be treated like just but the love of the game, man. Like, why are you just? It's just, man. It's so frustrating to see that this is still a thing, and it like, still is because it's, it's all- gonna because it's gonna it just puts a stain on the sport and like every like colored athlete or hockey player or in any sport wants to play and they just see stuff like this, it's going to restrict the growth of the game. And like kid just like put a stain on the sport and it's going to drive people away from it and it's going to make them feel not welcome, but that's not the name of it. You know, hockey's for everyone and it should, it is for everyone and stuff like this shouldn't be happening. And it's just like, it's super frustrating totally and I everyone's think that, welcome to play everyone yeah. should be loved it's yeah, yeah. it's it's emotional what we can do is talk about it and highlight what can what can be done differently right yeah. and try and do things on an individual level and, and and i think that mentality is a lot more prevalent these days and stuff like that is not getting by people anymore yeah. right that's why we're here t- talking about it and having the response we're having because no one's buying it any anymore and as long as that is kind of the new standard hopefully we can create a environment where it's just not accepted so yeah no i uh totally agree but yeah i just wanted to bring light to the situation but we sure. can uh we can move on from this and yeah everyone's everyone's loved play the game of hockey it's a great game but yeah absolutely yeah absolutely it's and just, if you uh, run into guys like jacob panetta then do exactly what jordan suban and his teammates did and more and everyone will be behind you on it because yeah absolutely everyone's everyone's a family here except guys like that yeah (laughs) guys like that but are you not entertained my guy by the nfl (laughs) that was a weekend to remember Um, to remember matt do you think it was the greatest football weekend that i can remember yes i typically always think like I can think of some awesome wildcard weekends where just crazy stuff was happening and wild game scripts, but I can't remember a weekend where each game uh, had my attention to that level. <laughs> just across the weekend, right up to the final buzzer. Like it was, uh, no, it was an amazing weekend of football. Yeah, it was, man, just like from the beginning, like from the get-go, you see like, you see upsets and then you see like, games in the gridiron with between Cincy and Tennessee and then upsets in the snow started snowing in Lambeau. And then you see combat near comebacks again from Brady and the bucks. And then just, and Oh my, like this, man. Yeah. It's it's, like, to me, the biggest theme from the weekend was just this new changing of the guard at the elite quarterback position, right? Brady and Rogers exit and you with question marks abound. 
and you see you got Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and you got all these young quarterbacks who are just out here winning games that matter and they're going to be at it for a long time. I think this weekend was just kind of like the true turning of the page, right? Where it's just like the true elites are, are what we saw on Sunday, right? Sunday night, those two quarterbacks, not to say that um, Brady and Rogers aren't, but it's just like, there's so many question marks. They're nearing the end of their careers and these kids are going to carry this product for so many years. And it's so exciting. Yeah. It's a, uh... Uh, I'm I'm sure excited for it. We'll start we'll start with game one, Cincy and uh, Cincy and the Titans. What were your uh, thoughts on this game, and like what were your expectations going into it, and did it live up or not quite live up to your expectations? But what what did you take from this game? I I was really curious to see what the Bengals brought to the table. I mean, it's just been so long since they've been in a spot like this. Um, and it was a fantastic game. I mean, I was very curious also to see what uh, King Henry looked like coming back onto the field. Yeah. Um, it's a player that they, you know, rely on so much for their style of play. Um, and since these defense is really stout and really strong and it was a great clash of two strengths and it's just funny because we think of Cincy as these big plays with chase and they are but they're equally as strong of a run team and they yeah. are equally as they're contempt to grind it out and run the football and then hit you with those big plays yeah and um it's a it's a really nice blend hybrid blend that they have rolling right now in Cincinnati and uh I love new faces in yeah. the playoff picture I just love it there's something about it it's just like the Bengals are relevant winning a big game and I'm all for it. I love change like that. So yeah. I, was, I love it. It's super exciting. Cause yeah, you bring up the run game and Joe Mixon has always been one of those running backs that even in fantasy, you can relate to this. He's always the guy who would creep in like a late second round and you're like, Oh, this is so tempting to grab him, but he's yeah. never lived up to it. But <laughs> man, he finally breaks out this year, has an unbelievable season, top five yeah. in rushing and consistently. It's not like he just had five, 23 rushing yard games and he has like three 200 yard games and then drops off again like no he was consistent all year and joe burrow man joey franchise that seems looks like that jamar chase pick was the right call no offensive lineman needed <laughs> yeah and t higgins breakout year tyler boyd is still like having tyler boyd as your number three is like okay like we're our future is in check right now like we're fine we're gonna be yeah. fine and then that Hendrick Hendrickson signing from the Saints, you know all about him. One then, of the more one yeah. of the more slept on signings in the off season. He got like, he got like fifteen sacks this year. Yeah, and man, I the Bengals are in the right place. And man, like yeah, I agree, Joey franchise Joey Burr. He is he's got so much swagger to him. It's, he does. He does. And, yeah, he wears them down to his fucking kneecaps, man. Like, <laughs> he's, the Bengals are in a good place right now. I think he's got a real chip on his shoulder to get his name brought up into that same conversation of, like, elite young quarterbacks. Because with that huge, devastating injury, he was having a good season. For He's just not quite discussed on that same tier mm -hmm. as some of his peers. And I think this playoff push, we'll see what happens still to come. But he's making his case that he's right among the, like the top young quarterbacks in the league. So yeah. uh, he's playing great. Yeah. I Did you see that? I don't know if you see, saw that video, but it was when Joe Burrow was in 
LSU. He's at LSU. And he was on all fours, and I'm pretty sure he got popped. And guy on Auburn um, came over to him and taunted him and stepped over him and ran to the sideline. Right. I don't think I saw that. No. And it was since this happened, um, in chronological order, Joe Burrow went undefeated, won the Heisman, won the national championship, went first overall, won two playoff games in the AFC title game. And it was just like a chronological order of what (laughs) happened. It was like, don't (laughs) like, don't, wait don't poke the bear don't yeah. wake up the lion from his nap like that kind don't of thing. swag on don't yeah. swag on joey b <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah this guy is the absolute truth but looking on the other side of the field ryan Tannehill. yeah first first throw of the game picked last yeah. throw of the game in crunch time 20 seconds left you can't afford risking an interception no and just the offensive play calling like you got now that Dante Foreman's kind of starting to run wild, you got a two-headed monster in the backfield. And he like Foreman breaks out a run because you obviously like you want to get Henry going, but you still want to like manage him because if you do make it past, you don't want to overwork his foot. Because his first game back, he's got he's got plates and a rod in his foot. Like you want to overdo it. Now that if Foreman like breaks off a run and like keep rolling with him, like and yep. he breaks off Henry breaks off a run, and then he goes to the sideline. Foreman comes in, breaks off a run. Running game's rolling. Keep it yeah. going. Tannehill yeah. drops back, throws an interception. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ray, like Vrabel should be coach of the year, yes. But things like that just stick to what were, is working best in the moment. If you're, run, if you're running all over them, yeah, take advantage of it as much as you can because if you just keep running them into the ground, do a play action, do it like throw a flat yeah. out to AJ Brown, run a fade to Julio, run a post to AJ, like drag route, anything. Yeah. It, once you start developing the run, then play action can start coming into effect and it'll kind of keep the defense honest. Yeah. But like, don't go away from your strongest asset when it's hot. Like that I just agree. doesn't make sense. And like you alluded to Trey Hendrickson earlier on, I mean, they were getting, when they were conventionally dropping back to pass, it wasn't working that game. It it was and Tannehill as a coach, you have to recognize he's not maybe playing his best game that like, don't put the ball in his hands when you have the run game humming, like you were just talking about. Um, And Tannehill's had a funny career, right? Like he, his time in Miami was, I still don't view Ryan Tannehill as the guy I want taking the snap at that moment, you know? Um, And I think he just kind of maybe proved that like, and it's not to take anything away from Ryan Tannehill. He's played some really good football last couple of years. The Titans are a really strong club, obviously, but he's just not quite the quarterback that I want making that, that big throw at that moment. I'd rather have seen a run play. And I think that's maybe what will hold Tennessee back, right? Because they just don't quite have, at least this year, Tannehill is not displaying that kind of clutch effort that he did last year. He didn't even throw the football that much. Just yeah. every time he did, he was absolutely on point. That's just not sustainable. Yeah, because like, like you say, his career has been funny. He was kind of staying by Adam Gase in Miami, and then he goes to a new system in Tennessee, and you can see that 
it was just he had to break through that seal of what totally. Adam Gase put over him. Yeah. <laughs> and once he got to Tennessee, everyone kind of started saying like, OK, like this guy's actually good. He's like mobile when he wants to be. He's yeah. able to run for those tough yards. It's kind of like guys like Rogers or Mahomes. Like he's mm-hmm. not the scrambling king like Mahomes or Rogers is because their pocket awareness and everything is off the charts. But if he breaks out, he can crack out like a 25 yard gain if he needs to but it's the inconsistencies of putting the ball in the air like do you trust him if you're down two scores with eight minutes left can he throw you back into the game yeah and yes some of the weapons julio isn't the guy he once was i mean aj brown is aj brown like he's a great receiver like nothing bad to say about him but limited weapons johnny smith isn't there anymore and he had a breakout year last year derrick henry you can't necessarily rely on running back screens all the time to work. No, it's true. And if say the running game isn't working, you have to go to the air. Can you trust Tannehill to develop a consistent pass game to either keep you in games, get you back into games? And yeah, I think the answer is no. I think yeah. the answer is no. Um, I think a lot of his best stat lines over the past couple of years when he's, his throw volume is so low is because of a byproduct of, of the offensive line and run game working so well that the throws he's making aren't incredibly challenging windows yeah. to get the ball into, right? Because of the game script. So I think it's just, you know, it, he was not, uh, he wasn't up to that big moment. And um, we'll see what happens in Tennessee in the off season. But um, yeah, it was just a bit of a failure from the quarterback position, I think, uh, out of Tennessee on, on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Go on to next game. Green Bay, San Fran. So going in, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, didn't haven't really looked into this much, but I think a lot of people had Green Bay winning the Super Bowl. But then a lot of people were also like, San Fran isn't the best, but they've had his number. But everyone, mm-hmm. including myself, I was like, this year's different. They're it's Lambo's gonna be packed. Yeah. It's, it's a different ballgame this year. Yep. Turns out it wasn't the truth. <laughs> What was your reaction to Green Bay San Fran? Oh, I mean, I love the visuals of the game, right? Two like iconic franchises playing in the snow. First and foremost, it was just I was really looking forward to it, right? Yeah. Anytime there's a snow playoff game, I'm just all for it because conventional wisdom kind of gets chucked out the window and you just got to go in there and find a way to win. Yeah. And that's what the Niners did. You know, like it's the blocked punt late. I think those kind of moments in a playoff game swings it so far oh, when your special teams delivers something like that. It's like you, you just have to work to lose after that. Right. Because to me, when that play happened, that was just, I just felt inside. I was like, like this is, I think the Niners are going to roll from this. It's just when special teams can deliver clutch like that on the road, in the snow, in the playoffs, that's like the variable that makes the difference between winning and losing a tight game like that. Yeah. But so you talk about the special teams for San Fran, but I think the biggest talking point going into this game was the special teams for Green Bay. 32nd ranked in the league. Above average, if not top 10 defense in the league. They are very good this year. And even missing um, their top dog, Jair Alexander, who was a little bit rusty because he was just coming off the IR. And everyone knows about the offense. Rodgers probably one of the most efficient seasons he's had. Probably going to win MVP this year. Everyone knows about Devontae Adams. 
Alan yep. Lazard has kind of started to figure it out. And but special teams, they've caused them a lot of points this year, a yeah. lot of points. And you see that blocked field goal. That was massive, obviously, in hindsight. Yep. And then the turning point, like you just said, that blocked punt. It's different if it's at midfield and they block a punt. You're inside your own 10. They didn't even have the right personnel on the field. Yeah. You have to clamp down (laughs) and (laughs) block the shit out of those players so that you don't risk any sort of turnoff. You punt that ball, like, even to midfield. The San Fran's offense wasn't necessarily rolling that game. Yeah. Right. So your chances, they were up 10, up seven. Yep. Their special teams alone gave up as many points as their offense scored. (laughs) Think about that. Their special teams alone gave up points because they missed the field goal to make it 13 to three. And then that blocked field goal resulted in a touchdown against. Yeah. And then you talk about having the right personnel. They had one less guy for the winning field goal. If this special, if the special teams coordinator or whatever for Green Bay, if he find, if he has any job next season, then the system is broken. Because, yeah, it's shocking to see at the pro level. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's and it's the age old thing where like you need all three phases phases of the game functioning, and the Packers didn't, and they haven't all season long. You're you're dead on. I actually don't know if I would have been able to say that they were dead last in special teams, but after that makes sense now. Right. Yeah. And, and that's going to be the kind of thing that if you, you had all season to fix that in practice yeah. and get reps in and fix like special teams can it's be coached. Been, up. It's been, yeah. It's been haunting them all season. Yeah. You don't think so you'd be able to fix it by failure. playoffs. Yeah. yeah. That's a coaching failure for sure. So does this, how much, cause the chances of our Rogers career in green Bay is done. His chances are of him leaving are like it's minus odds almost. And if not, I haven't checked them. But his tenure, Green Bay's had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back within the last 30 years and only two Super Bowls to their name. Yeah. I know it's a team game, and I know a lot of different aspects can let down, can like change aspects, whatever. But how much does this stain Rogers' legacy? That's an interesting because like, I hate I hate talking about this and I hate like bringing up losses towards. But like, I mean, a lot of people are going to be talking about this year specifically because of the hype Green Bay had. Yep, and I think anytime you start talking about like quarterback greats, um, inevitably the conversation boils down to Super Bowl wins success um how many times did you get it done i mean that's why tom brady will be the goat right because he's he's got the proof on his fingers i think for the packers organization and fans it's a tough pill to swallow when you have top tier quarterback play which most franchises are just trying to find someone viable to play at the position and you've had a huge stretch of time with really good quarterback play and not a lot of championships. That's tough. I mean, like you said, it's hard to do. I know as a Saints fan, I think, how the heck do we only have one Super Bowl after all those good Drew Brees seasons? Good and offenses. 
So just to quickly touch on that, and I've talked about this plenty of times, Drew Brees has had one of the greatest careers of all time, but at such unfortunate timing because he's never been the best quarterback in the league since he's been in the league, as much as I hate to say it. Nope. Yep. I don't, I won't argue. But with every MVP season he's had, there's just been one yeah. player that's just been the slightest bit better. Yeah. And yeah. I like, I feel for the guy because he's the most accurate passer in NFL history. Count all the checkdowns you want in the last few seasons, but you can't deny he has the most 5,000 yard seasons. And I, if I'm not mistaken, but just so unfortunate for Breeze. But like, I think there's a lot of parallels between the yeah. two quarterbacks, yeah. right? Highly efficient, prolific, Hall of Famers, won a lot of games, a lot of successful seasons, but just don't have the hardware. Yeah. to flash with the true greats and i think like like that's when i think i, I always relate to breeze because i'm just such a saint's head but like there's so many quarterbacks with one super bowl ring right yeah. the list is long and there's some yeah. funny names on that list um you know jim kelly yeah he doesn't have one and he went to four straight like, <laughs> you know yeah like as soon as you start getting into the two three I mean, that's when you really start separating yourself. And I wonder if Rodgers will fall in that same category as Breeze. Amazing careers, just not enough winning of it all to be yeah. like remembered with uh, the Tom Brady's and some of those and, and Marino and some yeah. of those. You know, this names. is why I think, because I think Rodgers is right now, I think he's the best quarterback we've seen. I think he's the most talented quarterback we've seen but he'll never be the GOAT because he's never been able to win those big games. And like I think I think Mahomes is closer to being the GOAT than Rodgers is because I think Mahomes is, is just shown. I know it's a team sport, and I think Mahomes has been gifted a better offense in the short career than Rodgers has, like Kelsey and Hill, and it's like hard to deny that. But – I mean, I Rogers' talent—you can't deny it. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I just think like he'll be in the top five. I think he'll be in everyone's top five. But yep. he just won't be able to eclipse that goat status. And it's just unfortunate that his career had to end like this. I was really hoping because I have a few friends who are Green Bay Packers fans. Yep. I was hoping to see them win uh, one more Super Bowl in the Aaron Rodgers era. Yeah, chances are it's coming to an end. But yeah. I know that feeling, yeah. man. And it's yeah, it's uh we'll see what happens um with Green Bay. I mean, there he really changed the narrative of his whole like image this offseason, right? So I think that'll play a factor going forward in how he's remembered as well. I and how he approaches whatever he decides to do next will be another people will pay attention for better or for worse. He really you know pulled the magnifying glass on himself. A little more of a me rhetoric um, than we're used to seeing from star quarterbacks. So I wonder if that, I wonder how people feel about that who aren't Packer fans, right? I mean, I mean, I talk a lot to buddies of mine who are just football guys who have been turned off by Aaron Rodgers and and his antics, right? So, well, uh, I think that might 
might play a factor depending on how he handles his business here. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a bit about San Fran though, like because they didn't just like they still had to go out there and win in Lambo. Like that's that's a hard feat. Lambo's a tough place to play, especially with the conditions. Like some some California kids over there in San Fran going over <laughs> there and playing in the yeah. cold in the full pack stadium, loud ass Lambo field. Yeah. Like that's a tough feat. And especially to the number one seed and highly projected Super Bowl winners amongst a lot of people's yeah. um, brackets, man. Like, let's talk about like utilizing Debo the way they do. Yeah, you no know, sticking to their strengths in the run game, yeah. not going, not throwing the ball too deep. I know Garoppolo had kind of a stinker of a game, but so did Rogers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like keeping passes simple, you know, letting putting the ball into your playmaker's hands like what like just like san fran's game plan how did you like just say watch i think san fran's like their product over the last half of the season i had circled them heading in being like this is the team that's playing like the playoff brand football yeah before the tournament started like they were in gear right um so it didn't honestly Honestly, I was very, I was wondering how the snow would play a factor, but I was not confident, but I thought, boy, if there's a team that could roll into Lambeau and do it, it might be this Niners team. Debo, I mean, like he, (laughs) I don't know. I wonder, he's just becoming something like otherworldly. Like, and like he's becoming like, even from a fantasy asset, just to jump there really quick. Like he is becoming like, prevalent incredible like and i love watching debo i'm not even a big niners fan because they've dealt the saints some tough losses but (laughs) debo is like when he touches the ball man like it's just hard not to get excited watching him on the field like i love watching him play and they just need to keep feeding him because he is just like he'll win them football games yeah end arounds like even in the pistol just hand the ball off to him he's like returning punts and kickoffs (laughs) and then he can catch like a drag route and run for 60 yards but then he can also run deep and like he's he's like a gadget player but a number one receiver because you know like your fourth third or fourth receiving option like you kind of use him as a gadget player like you see mccall hardman like end arounds and you see Callaway for the Saints, like, and then you just, you see like Kendrick Bourne in New England. Like you just have these gadget players that can kind of like just do a bunch. Yeah. And he's a gadget player, but he's like your number one receiver too. Like he can yeah. just do everything. And it's, I, I think like him and Ayuk and I mean, Kittle's still great. I think they just have enough piece pieces around them to overcome Garoppolo's shortcomings. I, yeah. I think there might be enough there with a good defense. Now they go and play the Rams divisional. I can't wait for that game. Yeah. Um, and to, just to think about this, sorry to interrupt you, but San Fran was so doubted upon. Like they were one game away from being eliminated. They lose to the Rams. They're not in the playoffs. Yeah. But then you see the matchups. Like it's, you just have to play to your opponent. You don't have to focus on the Super Bowl. It's just like, Hey, who's, who do we got this week? Shanahan is had Lafleur's number. San yeah. Fran has had Green Bay's number. They yeah. go into Lambo, they edge him out, they win a field goal. Garoppolo says, F the Packers. Yeah. Right, all that. I don't yeah. know if you caught that. But yeah. <laughs> also in the Cincy game, I, I forgot to say that. Did you hear what McPherson said? No. He was on the sideline warming up in the netting, kicks it, walks over to Joe Burrow, and he's like, 
we're going to the AFC title game. <laughs> and then he goes and nails the kick. It's, wow. Yeah, but you see Robbie Gold, he gets that. So San Fran's just like edging away. You go, to, they go into LA. You know, it's going to be kind of somewhat neutral. They're playing in California. Very neutral. All that. Shanahan has had McVeigh's number. Yeah. You look on paper and there should yeah. be a wash for LA, but could we see Jimmy G back in the Super Bowl? Oh, could we man. see a potential San Fran Casey rematch? Whoa. That's crazy. <sighs> Yeah, that's wild, man. And it's funny because you're t- like the Niners, here they are. It's so funny to think that like that comeback against the Rams that last week booted the Saints from that final yeah. while. Like, and the Niners are much more well equipped for a run this year. I mean, it's evident. Like, I don't know if the Saints would have been able to emulate this kind of thing. Probably not, because the Niners are just they have that kind of that it factor right now. I do think they're going to beat the Rams. The Rams are just hanging on by like well they can't (laughs) this is so weird to say but rams are a team that need to play from behind yeah they they need need a they they need a reason to keep the gas foot on the gas because once they get into these 18 point leads then they just get away from their game plan and then they let them come back before they're like oh shit we need to like do what we did before but now all the momentum's swinging the other way yeah, I honestly, like, I was gonna get around. I was gonna ask you about that when we chat about the Rams because I agree. It's yeah, like they so, need, uh, they can't come out so hot. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like they're a team that needs to play from behind. But no, San Fran is just like such an interesting team because everyone wants to count. They're gonna be the underdog in every single game that yeah. they go into, but they could easily yeah. win the Super Bowl this year with how they've been playing. Yeah. So yeah, San Fran, interesting team. Kyle Shanahan showing why he's so why he has this image and reputation that he has is because he's gone into and beat Lafleur, and he can has his chance of beating McVay, which he's had history of doing. Yeah. And he's in the NFC title game with Jimmy Garoppolo, which no one saw. Crazy. So. Yeah. And he might not even be their quarterback next year. You just don't yeah. even know. So <laughs> I, uh, I'll talk about it later when we talk about the Bucks Rams, which we'll do now. So Rams edge out. The Bucks and what we thought was the game of the year, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what we thought was the game of the year. But when you saw the Bucks go down early, and Brady Brady struggled this game, like let's not let's the Bucks struggled this game, like yeah. let's, um, or at least the first half. But when you saw the Bucks go down early that quick, what was your what was going through your head? Because I didn't watch a ton of the game, like the first half, because it was my girlfriend's birthday, so I, we kind of just went and um shopping for a bit but what we when the bucks went down early because i was like oh shit like, yeah this is not ideal against the rams but what went through your head when you saw that for me it was well it it's just not over with tom until it's like over pocket zero the press conference is done and the buses have left the building right like it it's just but yeah you got the sense that he was off his game. I mean, they, the pass rush of the Rams was in his kitchen. Von right Miller was looked like Super Bowl MVP Von yeah. Miller. Yeah. And, you know, Brady's the GOAT. And um, there's a part of me that I'm not a Tom Brady hater. I don't claim to be that because I admire his. I, I really am not that person. I don't put myself in that box because I know there's a lot of people like that. Um, but I there's something about 
about me that kind of enjoys seeing Brady's feathers get ruffled, right? Because he's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. And um, he typically responds the way the greats do, right? And he did it again, where he was rattled. He wasn't at his best. He's down Chris Godwin. He's down Antonio Brown. And he still found a way to almost make another, like, heroic, like a, just a crazy, crazy gargantuan comeback. So my thought was it's probably probably going to reach the point that it did, right? Like it's, it's just not over with Tom until it's over, over. Cause he's got that like magic dust about him. Right. Yeah. He's just like, um, so it was, uh, I'm glad it got to that like pinnacle that it got to. Cause the first half was just like, Whoa, the bucks looking like they're going to get run out of their own building. Yeah. Well, cause I was following the game and I was, I was watching on the zone, like had it on my phone. I was like, yeah. watching it. I was like holding, I was like holding books for my girlfriend, but I had the game on the top books. So I was like watching it, and she was like explaining a book to me, and I was like, "Yep, yep." She's like, "You're not listening to me," and I'm like, oh, I, "Sorry, what?" But <laughs> no, I I saw it, and I was like, oh, "Man, like Brady, you got to play better. Like you're missing guys, and you're they're getting to you." Yeah, and you know, there's a helmet to helmet hit on him and his lips started bleeding. And I was like, this could be dangerous for the Rams. Cause he could use that to <laughs> his momentum, but no, he threw an interception. I'm like, I guess like, it, it's just, isn't Brady's day. Like it yeah. just isn't like, I, I get that, but like Brady pl- didn't play that good um, for like three quarters of the game. Like he, he didn't yep. play well. And every quarterback does, you shouldn't expect a quarterback to bring it every game. But I mean, in the playoffs, when you're held to a high standard like Brady is, you got to play better no matter the opponent. And, uh, but that's secondary for the box, man. They let them down. Cooper cup. You can't allow him to get open on a 70 yard touchdown. This isn't, I'm not talking about the final, the second last play of the game to set up the field goal. I'm talking about when he scored like a 75 yard touchdown. How are you letting the triple crown winner, Find yeah. a soft spot in your defense. Yeah, no, Put I agree. Two guys on him. Yeah, he I just... think that's actually like a little highlighted note from this whole weekend too. Was like defensive scheme play calls when it mattered most, and like some of the blown coverages. Like that's a ridiculous blown coverage on like yeah. a all out blitz. Like why? It, yeah, it just I've it. It just boggles my mind that the safety's playing so far up in the box on a play like that. But yeah, so they let Cooper Cup go for 75 yards and then they get lucky with Cam Akers fumbling on like the two yard line. Like they got lucky. That like defense didn't hit it out. He just it just slipped out. And it was yeah. right before his head hit. So like if his head hit the field, then that would have been like he was down, no down way. by contact. So they got very lucky on that because they were on two yard line. If they went in, they put the game away. Yeah. Like they put the game away. It's yeah. like it's like three and a half scores to like, and with still time on. So like Ellie still has time to like add on. Yep. So they got lucky there. McVay still trusts Acres, which I understand. Keep his confidence up. If you like immediately remove him from the game, then if you move on, then his confidence might be there. Unfortunately, it doesn't go. It was planned. Yeah. Um, wait, I think before that, no, Acres fumbles. And then we get the ball back. Did Tom Brady 
get strip sack? No, then they okay. Wait, no, I have my things out of order. No, Tom Brady got strip sacked, right? Yeah, LA gets the ball back. Yeah, 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 yeah. The next play, snap goes over Stafford's head. (laughs) Stafford's running for his life. Bucks recover. Patriots go in and score. I might have this out of order, but I don't care. And then it doesn't matter. It was all the same, like, sequence. Cam Akers fumbles. Bucks going and score. Cooper Cup fumbles. Yeah. Four fumbles. Four fumble recoveries, which, Just... mind you, one of them was, uh, two of them were basically kind of unforced. First one, Cam Akers at the goal line, basically. Yeah. Like, that was just a fuck up by him. And then the over-the-head snap. Yeah. But, man, like, Tom Brady kind of got lucky. He He got lucky. But he also capitalized on... Their yeah. mistakes. That 50-yard bomb to Evans against Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. He attacked yeah. Ramsey there. He yeah. went, he's like, I don't give a shit if you're the best cornerback in the league. My guy's one of the best 50-50 ball catchers yeah. in the league. I'm trusting my guy. Evans burns him, walking touchdown, gets yeah. it within a score. Three plays. They had to get 70 or 80 yards. They got there in 36 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was to get it within a score. And then that's when they got, that's when Cam Akers fumbled is when Sue knocks it out with like just over a minute left. And then they drive the field. Fournette runs it in on fourth and inches. Yeah. A lot of people thought Tom Brady QB sneak. It's, yeah. his, that's his thing. Yeah. Definitely, especially Runs with that, in. like just inches to go. Yeah, yeah, wow. man. That game. It's, Sorry for rambling on, but that game was just crazy. No, it was, and I think it's just like two highlights from that. Is one, the Rams' confidence feels like it's just walking on eggshells right now, and that's yeah. why it's like, like we alluded to, it's got to be a different game for them next time because I just don't feel, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Rams' closing deals right now. So we'll see yeah. what happens. And then the, just that the, there were two like, and in the chiefs bills, a lot of defensive schemes late that were either too aggressive or too passive, yeah. right? In the bucks, there was too aggressive calling a zero blitz there. And like after Arian said, no, don't question it. But then we're hearing stories that like players on the field didn't even know what the proper call is again. How does that happen? And, in that moment in pro football is just baffling. Yeah. And then the bills playing way too soft. Yeah. I mean, it's just like those, those defensive moments it's they're so key and like yeah. two blunders there, um, two different games. But anyway, I wanted to, I think that's an important highlight is those yeah. defensive backs. Yeah. Like how Rams have zero timeouts. They need to get 75 yards. Would you say? How do you not double, triple cover Cooper Cup? No kidding. Wide open on a seam. Like... Put three guys deep and keep them, like, don't let them get past midfield. Yeah. They have zero timeouts. Yeah. yeah. Blitzing and a defensive back. I don't know. Right, like, did you hear what? <laughs> oh, no, this is in the home. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something I wouldn't have called. But I know you have to head out soon, so let's talk about Chiefs Bills. Now this game was unbelievable. Now it's, it started off. It started off slow. 
it's like it wasn't necessarily the final minutes it was the whole entire game but it was tracking towards the under it was like 47 and a half or 55 and a half or something like that was the over under and it was tracking towards the under because it was getting close to overtime and then all out chaos ensues in yeah. like the final two minutes gabriel davis first of all coming out party for the kid yeah uh, eight catches 201 yards four touchdowns and a pair of ankles broken yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah what g- give me your review of the game and just like kind of what was going through it through your head when all this shit was happening because i was basically just laughing i was like yeah what? i, I mean, was like what is happening i what? feel like it was yeah. like a madden simulation or something like it was. i feel- like, you know, like it was just put on rookie mode and it was just, I just, I alluded, alluded to it at the top of the pod, but I think it was just like a, such a cool example of like two elite athletes just pushing each other, like each drive. I've just never seen something quite like that yeah. where it was just like, I'm going to do better than you. And it's just like, that's why everyone wanted the bills to get the ball back. Right. To just see it. Like what would the, the counter punch would have been if there had been one. Right. Cause it just felt like every time the next quarterback got the ball is like, no, I'm going to go out there and deliver like the most, like it's just so unfathomable to watch that kind of clutch performance on both sides and have this, like the game script swing like that. I mean, just as a fan, that was just like, I don't, I'll never forget that. Yeah. 25 points scored in the final two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> I mean, 13 uh, seconds make left was yeah. too much time. There right? too much time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the Kelsey Mahomes thing that happened? After the game? No, uh, on the play that got him in the field goal range. No, no. So they were going up to the line of scrimmage and Kelsey was saying, he's like, I'm probably not going to run the route that you're going to tell me to do. He's like, what? He's like, I'm just going to find open space and you find me. Yeah. And Holmes is like, okay, I'll just like, keep that in mind. Yeah. He gets to the line of scrimmage. You can search up the video. You can hear Mahomes yell, do it, Kelsey, do it, do it, do it. And Mahomes was supposed, or Kelsey was supposed to run like an in route five yards and in but he just ran straight and ran like a post route almost. Yeah. But he found like space in between the soft zone. Yeah. And Mahomes just like quick drop through to Kelsey and he ran like an extra 15 yards, slid yeah. down, called a timeout. Harrison Bucker ties it up. The chemistry Man, between like, those two and like the balls to do it. Totally. Is just, oh my God gosh i think of like it's so wild that a tight end has that like feel of separation that kelsey has like i think when even as you describe that i think of like a Devontae adams when he describes yeah. his route running and it's like all about feel and just like finding like knowing how much space you have like that you can't teach that kind of no, stuff you can't like and just like the fact that yeah like you said the confidence just to go out and be like just find me man like i'll i'll find a spot in the zone just to look for me I mean, that's just like football legend stuff, right? Yeah. Like, that's just like amazing. I mean, yeah. I love that kind of story where it's just like, just two greats, just like trusting each other and like getting it done. Yeah, <laughs> It's crazy. It's, uh, Rex Ryan said that he would have just rushed one guy on Mahomes and put coverage, like just coverage guys. And he's like, let him take the clock down. Totally. Looking for totally. guys 
because the more but, guys yeah. you rush, then the less guys in coverage, and he can just find yeah. a quick guy, call a timeout, blah, 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 blah. Totally. Let him take the time down to find the guy open. And I I'm agree. Like, and I'm like, that makes sense. That's And if, furthermore, not only is he totally on point, but the Bills are playing this prevent defense. They've got DBs sitting back at the 20, 10-yard line. Yeah. I mean, it's – I just don't understand that, right, because I know you don't want to give up the play over the top. I get that. But you've left 40 yards of open field. Like, there's low-hanging fruit for – like, it's a great play by Kelsey, but he's got – room to operate in the middle yeah. of the field right it's just yeah. too much time and space yeah it's crazy and then so bucker ties it up and then nfl overtime man oh man has this ever raised some concerns amongst the nfl community and just the league in terms of the ot rules chiefs win the toss and i think it was inevitable everyone knew whoever's winning the toss is winning this game yeah it felt like that yep and you know, next thing you know, Chiefs three plays, they go and score. And a lot of people are talking about the rules in the NFL, like the overtime rules. And I just wanted to hear your opinion on it, on whether or not it should stay the same. Is it a scenario where it just depends on who's playing, blah, 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 blah. What are your thoughts? Would you change it? How would you change it? What are your opinions on it? Yeah, I honestly, uh, maybe I'm in the minority, but I actually think it's a fairly well-structured format as it stands. Like I, I think we get lost in the like glory of uh, one specific game like that, where both teams are just kind of scoring it well. But I feel like most games is not that easy to march down and score a touchdown right off the bat. And I do think that there's that, let's put it this way. I like that element of like cold-blooded killer where it's like we got the ball we scored touchdown and we can ice this thing i like that element but what i don't like is how it's just a pure it's just like a coin toss right like that's what determines it i don't know what the solution is but it's like the format and structure i think is actually quite balanced and sound but when you have a game like that where everyone is so invested and it feels like it was just a heads or tails thing rather yeah. than anything else that's hard to overcome. But I think not every game feels like that, you know, and we see a lot of overtimes where the possession changes hands and it's, and it was more how it was designed, but I don't know if it's necessary to go and rewrite the script, but I'd be also open-minded, you know, um, more football, the better. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I think each, side should get a chance i think you play out a 10 minute overtime till the end and i think whoever's leading after that um and if it's tied there then college rules or something yeah and then That's but interesting. I, I do think or i think it should go each team gets a chance no matter what touchdown scored you get a chance to rebuttal if you want to go for two you can if it's tied after that, then next score wins, field goal, touchdown, whichever. I think it should be like that. I like the element of having like a set overtime period because then that element of like time and the clock comes back into it, which is such a, such a huge part of football, right? So yeah, um, like I, I would be open to extending the product 
I just don't think that the current system is like utterly broken. It's just when you have a circumstance like that, where it's just like, no one wanted to see that game end. And then it ends before like one side feels like they've had like the true counter punch. It's just a tougher pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't hate it, but uh, I'm also not like, I also not going to sit here and say that it's perfect and that it would like, there's no room for improvement, but um, it's like a balanced system as it stands for the most part. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, final four, I just want to see who you got in the Super Bowl. I am going with the Chiefs and Mahomes. Um, So I have a small backstory, but I took Mahomes in my dynasty league, like late in a rookie draft because he was going to sit on the pine for a year. And I sat him on my pine for a year and then he came around and he's just become Pat Mahomes. So I've always just had this and he's delivered for me so many times in fantasy football that I just, I just believe in what he does. And I think he's just like the ultimate winner. And I think we're witnessing like the next, like you said earlier, the, the next goat is very potentially in the making right now. And I'm hedging my bets on that horse. I think that they're going to get to the Super Bowl again. And I don't, I never thought I'd be saying it, but based on the matchup alone, I don't like the Rams chances. Mm-hmm. I love the Rams roster. Um, I just haven't loved what I've seen from them. I don't believe in their culture right now, yeah. um, but they're super talented. But if I'm going to sit here and make a prediction, I'm going to say that the Niners upset the Rams and there's going to be kind of like we've seen it in hockey where there's that Cinderella story all the way to the dance and then the better team wins. And that's my projection for this year. Chiefs, Chiefs. 49ers, Chiefs. I'm going to go with the pop. Like, I just think they're, I just think they're that team right now. And I think they're in that pocket of time in their organization where it's, they're going to win. Yeah. I've, I've got, uh, Chiefs beating the Rams. Cool. Because part of me doesn't want to go against the Rams because I have money invested in them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but I do think the Chiefs are they're too hot, hot to stop right now. So I think they're going to end up winning. But to fully end it off, we usually do it on this day in sports history. But I'm gonna we're gonna wrap up pretty soon, so we're gonna skip it this week. But uh, one last thing from you, yeah, Sean, of course, Sean, no rush. Sean Payton. Walks mm-hmm. away. I wanted to hear your thoughts as a Saints guy. What's the next step for the organization? Um, well, he's only there's only rumors that he's walked away, right? No, he's stepped away, announced the organization, press conference, and everything. Sean Payton has stepped away as a Saints. Oh wow. Well. I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you, Jeff. The last update that I read on that was that he was only contemplating his future. But there I see it right now, one hour ago. Peyton steps down after 15 seasons with the Saints. Well, Jevin, you're catching me at an emotional moment, I guess, because Sorry, honestly, find I'm surprised by this. Um, I'm disappointed by that news, truthfully. I've been a huge fan of Sean Payton. Now, you, you are a fan of football for many reasons, um, but I actually really was a fan of a coach not like as much, but I loved, I, I always loved having him leading the saints. Um, the offensive guru loved his sideline presence. I think he did a lot of good things with rosters that were flawed. 
And I, think, and I, yeah. I still, yeah. I'm, I think I'm if the Saints made the playoffs this year, then he could be in the running for coach of the year just because that roster was hampered and he found ways to win games. My, here's what I'm disappointed because as I've been so, I think the Saints have had a really strong culture since he's been there. And I felt that we could keep winning even without Breeze with Sean there. But I said to my buddies, I was like, it'll be a sad day when, when, when Sean leaves, because then it's like the true era of football that I consumed, like almost every snap of has like truly come to a conclusion. So wild. Um, Sorry, I don't want to find out it. this way. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Start like crying. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, that's yeah. I, I am a huge. I'll always be a huge Sean Payton fan, and um, my hope is that def- uh, Dennis Allen takes that's, that job. That's what I was telling Hayden. Like Brian Flores, or do you upgrade your? I forgot um, his name, but do you upgrade your DC to the head coaching spot? Yeah, I, mean, I know that like, he's. I know Allen's interviewing in Chicago, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, stick I, with stick with the Saints. Don't go over to Chicago. Yeah, don't do that. And. Um, I mean, I saw just the other day that Sean Payton's coaching record was, I mean, like 152 and 89 or something as a Saints head coach. I mean, he won a ton of football. Yeah. And um, he's a great yeah. coach and he yeah. did nothing but win over in that organization. And there's this lastly, because I know it's just touch on it briefly, but I always, I just thought he was done dirty by the league, getting that full year suspension. I know there was some foul play with the Saints and Bounty Gate and that culture around that like year with Greg Williams and everything was like not like the best because they were obviously like encouraging violent football, which I don't think is abnormal in the league, but they were like caught doing it. Um, and I just ever since he's like I, and that year that he lost the full year, like the Saints we needed him and the roster was still not like it's like the defense was bad that year, but the offense was good. And I just think that like, it just like riled me up. I became a bigger Sean Payton guy after all that, because I was just like this, the league is just looking for a story this off season and they're just feasting on this storyline and they're giving him a full year boot. And like for a coach to get that long of a suspension, I mean, I know it happened under his watch, but Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because I think like Sean Payton should be remembered for like everything other than Bounty Gate because I feel like violent football culture is everywhere. <laughs> no, yeah, I I definitely don't think what he did is right. Um, I had to look into the story a bit more. Um, but I think obviously that's going to stick with him because I think that's just part of like him and like his career like it's not going to escape him but i definitely think that he's remembered for better i agree like you can stick better things to his name than for sure than everything just reverting back to bounty gate like it's like brady and deflate gate yes it happened yeah it's a part of him like but he's also like one of the great he's probably the greatest player to ever play the game like Bill Belichick and all the spy gates and stuff. And it's like, he took a rookie quarterback to the playoffs. Like let's, let's focus more on the good than the bad in people. Everybody fucks up. I get it. But yeah, I mean, I completely forgot bounty gate happened. 
So which is good because honestly, like that was Greg Williams more than anything. I think it was more of a situation where like Greg Williams ran that defensive room and Sean, you know, that was a hard lesson learned. You got to be aware if you're a head coach, but I just don't think it was, was blown out of proportion, but anyway, disappointment. Um, I wonder well, yeah, um, for Dennis Allen, I don't, I do not want to enter, enter the free, the coaching carousel. Uh, I was yeah. happy not to be doing that for a long yeah. time. <laughs> well, there's like reports. I mean, like Brady might be done. Like, yeah. And I don't know, gonna... man. I think these, these COVID seasons for guys that were like close, I think these seasons have been hard. And I think it's, I think like it's wearing on that. Yeah. I think it's wearing on people people like Peyton and Breeze who have been grinding at this sport for so long. Um, maybe it's making that decision easier. I don't yeah. know. I saw this one thing though. I was on my way home is do you think Brady goes to San Fran? He was, there's an organization he looked up to. Does he go there for a year? Say that he's put on the San Fran uniform for a year, part ways with Garoppolo, give Lance another year to develop. Wow. And have Brady play with them for a season. Be interesting conversation. Yeah, right? man. This there's gonna be so many like yeah. projections with quarterbacks this offseason. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Yeah. But 100 percent Anyway, yeah. Brett, uh, this was super fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Very deep oh, conversation always. about an assortment of topics, but I'm super excited for the um title games this weekend. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Brett Rosell Music. Obviously, I do have the music side as well. You can find me on my website, uh, brettrosell.com, and Twitter, at Brett Rosell. Um, I'm on the socials. I'm out there. Um, track my down, Search my name, and you can track me down. And um, hopefully find me again here on the pod with, uh, with Jevin. Yes, sir. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram. Uh, at Jevin.Lefave on Twitter at JevinLefave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. Subscribe to the YouTube Left Side Heavy where you can catch full episodes, um, videos, and some clips up there as well. Subscribe, ring the bell, like, comment, interact. It's, um, yeah, trying to get some more subscribers there. But, Brett, this was um, very fun once again. Love chatting Oops. sports with you, man. Anytime. Yeah. Of course, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna be coming back on for sure. But everyone, thank you for listening. And also, Friday, kick back and relax episode with my boy Devin. We are gonna be talking about just his travels and some funny stories working together and all that. So be sure to keep a lookout for Friday for another kick back and relax episode. And we'll see you then. Peace. Peace.